Have you ever felt that way, that you didn't know your own strength? Did you ever feel like you didn't have enough strength to get through the day, let alone another week or a month or a year? Did your life ever get so overwhelming that you weren't sure how you were going to get through? Maybe you felt like your world was crumbling or the rug was being pulled out from underneath you and you didn't know where you were going to get the energy. I know I've been there and I'm sure everybody here has been there. But yet, here we are. What we thought was going to be a breakdown turned out to be a breakthrough or maybe even a breaking open of our heart and our soul or so our soul could come through and shine its light even brighter. I encourage you again this week, if, you, if I say anything that resonates with you, please put something in the chat box so that when I go back I could read about it. But we're going to talk about the power of strength. Last month we talked about the power of faith, and this month we're going to talk about the, the power of strength. And that meditation I just did came from Unity Worldwide Ministries website because this year they're doing the theme of the 12 powers. So I'm going to go back to 2002 in my life when I was in a company called NECAN. It was a network marketing company and it was time we were going to have a super Saturday, they called them. And the state of Connecticut was putting one on for all of the surrounding states and all the distributors that were in Connecticut. And I volunteered to look for the keynote speaker. And I asked everybody, who did you want? Who did you want? And everyone's like, Michael Bronstein, you have to get Michael Bronstein. Okay, I'll find Michael Bronstein. So sure enough, I found him. And from the moment I met him, his energy was so big. He had so much life and so much passion for what he was doing. And he had, we had him come and he did a great job. And within six months, that was in June of 2002. And within six months, January of 2003, I was dating him. And for the next year and a half, we traveled all across the United States and I watched this man, his passion and his excitement and his energy for life help people build their careers and be successful. And we had so much fun and we were in love and we decided to move in together. That was June 1st of 2003. Within two weeks of me moving in with him, he started having these sores all over his legs. We didn't know what they were. I was putting triple antibiotic cream on them and trying to figure out what they were. So we went to the doctor and the doctor said, I don't know what, what it is. So he sent us to another doctor. And from June till October, we went to primary care doctors, infectious disease doctors, internalists, rheumatologists, and finally an immune autoimmune specialist thought he had something called sarcoidosis. And what sarcoidosis is, is a, an inflammatory condition that creates sores, not only on your skin, but on your lymph nodes, as well as on your lungs. And it's not something that's curable. It's something that he would actually die from. So that doctor gave him some medication and he started taking the medication the next day and it was a Wednesday and I know it was a Wednesday because on Wednesdays I would get in my car and leave Suffern, New York and drive to Connecticut and teach a spin class, visit my parents and then see my clients that were in Connecticut. Well, I come out of the spin class at 930 in the morning and Michael had left me three or four messages and he had just called 
And I'm like, what's up? And he couldn't breathe and he was shaking and he said, you have to come home. I think I'm going to die. So I'm, I rushed home. I swear the drive that normally would take an hour and a half took me about an hour, which is probably an exaggeration, but I was driving really fast. And as soon as I got in the car, the song went on that became my mantra. And it was sung by Reverend Carlos Anderson. It was Psalm 23. And the words are, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It became my mantra because it reminded me that I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone on this journey. I got home and I ran upstairs and Michael was in bed and his eyes were rolling in his head and he was shaking and he was convinced he was going to die. And I said, I'll call an ambulance. We'll go to the hospital. And he's like, no, no, they, Western medicine almost killed me. I'm not going to the hospital. I'm definitely going to die if I go to the hospital. I'm like, wow. Okay, so I got in bed with him and I started doing Reiki and I started coaching him and breathing and take a breath. Your body knows what it needs. Just calm down and breathe. And within a few minutes, he had calmed down and he kept calming down. And before you knew it, I was alone in the room. Michael's body was still there, but I felt I was alone. And I literally was looking around, even though his body was right there in front of me, I was looking around to see if he moved. And all of a sudden it occurred to me to see if he's breathing. And I put my head down and he wasn't breathing. And now I'm panicking. And I just started calling his name, Michael, Michael. It took probably only a minute, maybe two, but it felt like an eternity. And he came back and he said, wow, that was amazing. I'm like, what was amazing? What happened? And he said, there was, I went to this place that was beautiful. And there was a light and all I could smell was roses. And there was such peace and I had no pain. And there was a garden. He said, and then I heard you calling me. And I knew I didn't want to leave yet. We had so many plans. I wanted to come back and spend the rest of my life with you. Well, little did I know what was coming, but he decided at that point we were no longer going to go to Western medicine doctors. We were going to only go alternative. So we started from October until July, or actually till May, we started seeing acupuncturists, naturopathic medicine doctors, Ayurvedic doctors. He went into something called the life vessel immersions twice. We had to drive to Pittsburgh to do that. We would drive into New York City to get herbs and he would take baths and astragalus and he would drink teas and he went for acupuncture. And what I know now is that whether you go to traditional Western medicine or Eastern medicine or alternative medicine, if they don't have a diagnosis, all they're treating is symptoms and that's what we did we were just treating symptoms because they could not diagnose him so once again i left on a wednesday morning and i came back and michael was delirious he was talking like he was drunk and i didn't it was like in the middle of the afternoon i knew he hadn't been drinking so i took i felt his head and his head was cold and his arms were cold so I said, let me get a thermometer. So I took his temperature. His temperature was 91 degrees. 
I said, let me take my temperature. So I took my temperature and it was 98 degrees. So I took his temperature again, it was 91 degrees. I'm like, okay, something's wrong here and I do not know what to do about it. I'm calling an ambulance. He's like, don't call an ambulance. And he's, he was kind of funny, but it wasn't funny. I call an ambulance and they come and they convince him he's got to go to the hospital. So he goes to the hospital. And what had happened was his infections went septic. So the infection got into his bloodstream and they gave him IV antibiotics and they wrapped him in hot towels and hot blankets, heating pads for the next 24 hours. And then they released him. And when they got home, I said, this is it. I said, your mother and I agree we're getting a visiting nurse and you have nothing to say about it. So we got a visiting nurse in and it was Memorial Day weekend and she came in and she looked at him and she took his vitals and she said, this is not a job for a visiting nurse. You need to get to the hospital and find out what's wrong with you. So he must, it must have scared Michael because he agreed. It was Memorial Day and some friends drove down and we drove him to Columbia Presbyterian. We went into the emergency room. They literally got him into a bed in the emergency room within 20 minutes. But then we sat in the emergency room from four o'clock until 11 o'clock. And when I left him that night, they said, that they were gonna give him a transfusion and they didn't know if he was gonna survive. So I was like, wow, okay. So I left him that night and I got a cab and got home to suffer in New York. And next thing, morning was there, was came and he called, it was bright and early, like six o'clock in the morning and he sounded fine. And this was the roller coaster ride that I was on for the next couple of weeks or for the past year. And they started testing. And it was two weeks of nonstop testing where they did blood work and they did biopsies of all the sores on his legs and his arms. And they did a liver biopsy and they did a gallbladder biopsy and they did a lung biopsy. And finally, two weeks later, one of the Petri dishes, the, one of the biopsies from the sores came back and he had something called cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, which is a lymphoma of the T-cells of the skin, which is normally really treatable. But because Michael was sick for so long, they had to do a really intensive chemo protocol, which he went on chemo for five days, and then they were gonna give him two days off and then another five days, and he wanted out of the hospital. So they agreed and they said, okay, you could go to rehab and then do outpatient chemo. So he went to a rehab not far from our house, so I no longer had to go into New York, and he went to a rehab place in Suffern, New York. I didn't see him the first day because he was exhausted. The trip from the hospital to the rehab center took all day and all he could do was sleep when he got back. But I went to see him the next morning and he had already started physical therapy and he was walking with a walker, which was kind of pitiful. He was a 51 year old man, but I hadn't seen him walk in weeks. It had gotten to a point where there were times I literally was lifting him out of the car for him to walk and he had to hang on to me to walk. So I was really excited and I went back that night and he was in bed, but he had a bedpan, he needed a bedpan and he didn't have the strength to move the bedpan. So it tipped and he was laying there and he ended up falling asleep. No nurse came or anything. And I was just like, oh my God, he's laying in his own waist and he's got sores on his legs. And I knew this was not the right place for him. So I went and got the nurse. I said, you've got to clean him up. And I waited until he was cleaned up. And I left him again that night and I went home and I said, Spirit God, please help me, help me get him out of there. And the next day I went for a walk and I said, just show me a sign. And I went for a walk and I saw something jump into a lake 
didn't know what it was and I'm looking and looking and this woman comes running up to me. What are you looking at? She said, I said, I don't know. Something just jumped into the lake and it's not coming out and I hope it's not drowning. So she grabs my hand and she, we run into this, it's private property we're running into it. We're looking, we actually bang our heads together and it turns out it was like a really big fish. And we start laughing that it was a fish that brought us together. So she asked me my name. I told her my name and I asked her her name. Her name was Jane. And I said, what do you do? She said, I'm a coach. I said, like oh, a personal trainer coach? Cause she was jogging. She said, no, I'm a spiritual coach. I was like, wow, I just prayed for you. And I told her what happened. And she said to me, I will never forget. She said, you demand Michael's guides and angels to do whatever it takes for him to get out of there. But know that that might mean it's time for him to go home. I said, okay. She says, no, I don't mean home here. I mean, go home to God. I was like, wow. I said, not only are you asking me to demand his guides and angels, like I was raised Catholic. When I wanted something from God, I got on my knees and begged. I did not demand anything. So I said, well, I prayed for this woman. She showed up. I'm going to do what she says. And that's what I did. I demanded Michael's guides and angels to do whatever it took. The next day when I went to see him at the rehab center, he was shivering. He was cold. His eyes were rolling in his head. The infection went septic again. And I said the late to the nurse, we need to get him out of here. She said, well, I called the doctor. I said, call an ambulance. We need to get him out of here. So they got him out and they took him to Good Samaritan Hospital, another hospital that was right near me. And the next week was really difficult. He wasn't getting any better. At, but Jane, who showed up in that day, was seeing me every day and she was coaching me and we were doing rituals and she was helping me on how I could help Michael. And finally, she said, come on, it's time for us to go see Michael. And we snuck in, we snuck our cat into the hospital and we had a great visit. We were there for a couple hours and we were singing and reminiscing and having great conversation. And then I had to take Jane and the cat home. So I did. And when I got back that night, I brought him a sandwich and he had an oxygen mask on again. And I said to the nurse, what happened? And she said, well, you know, he had a long day. And after you left, we washed him up. So he's just tired. And I ended up staying that night until about nine o'clock. He never did eat. And as I was leaving, I come down the hall by the nurse's station. I hear him say, I love you, babe. I went home. I was exhausted. I passed out. And then the phone rang at 2.30 in the morning. It was the call. You know the call. The call that we get when someone we love is in the hospital. It was 2.30 on July 17th. Michael had succumbed to his disease. His heart gave out. And I had a sense of relief and release. And then I just was grieving and I sobbed. And it was another two years of a journey of finding the strength to go on, to start over. But today I can tell you, I know that strength came from the power of strength within me. The power of strength that's found in the small of our back, that's represented by the color green, like a spring green. And that's represented by Andrew, the apostle. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, saw these 12 powers that we all have, they're innate in us. He saw them as ways that when we develop these qualities, they're going to help us lead a life of living in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We're living from that Christ consciousness. But we have to 
develop them consciously because they're here and we're using them we might as well develop them consciously in addition to the 12 apostles there are 12 women that are associated with each power as human beings we have both male and female attributes and it's important that we bring balance to our lives we broaden our perspective and we see things from the non-dominant energy in order to find wholeness in our lives. The yin aspect of the power of strength is resilience. The power of strength is really represented, represents the energy of God. It's freedom from weakness. It's the power to withstand temptation and it's stability of character and capacity to accomplish. Strength and resilience are physical, emotional, as well as spiritual. And the habits of spiritual strength are stability, courage, and tenacity. The stabilizing habit anchors us securely in the truth of our unlimited source of calm, safety, and balance. Emotional strength gives us the power to stop and breathe and not just react. And that's what Psalm 23 did for me. It helped me to stop and breathe and remember I wasn't alone. Some people use the serenity prayer. Spiritual strength is our capacity to stand undaunted in the midst of shifting circumstances. I was in shifting circumstances moment by moment. To stay the course, but to also be flexible to respond to situations presenting themselves moment by moment. I had to have the physical strength not only to sometimes pick Michael up physically, but also I had to have my immune system really strong so that I didn't get sick in that year and a half of being at that stressful level. Because when we're stressed, our immune system isn't exactly working the best that it could. One day I actually walked into Michael's room and it was the first time I saw him with an oxygen mask on. And there was a part of me that just wanted to fall to my knees and sob. But there was this other part of me that said, just keep walking. He needs to see that you're strong. And I just kept walking. And it actually wasn't till a year later that I remembered that day. My strength kept me going. Strength is the ability to practice spiritual principles in all areas of our life. It allows us to see the world as a place of inclusion, a point of inclusion, instead of comparing ourselves, instead of saying good or bad, better or worse. That's seeing the world from limited eyes, where if we could see the world from inclusion, that's our limitless possibility. Spiritual strength is the ability to stand in who we are and allow others to stand in who they are, and even be curious about who they are, whether they think like us or not. Some, sometimes spiritual strength is needed for us to keep our mouth closed when we see somebody that we love about to do or say something that's going to hurt them. Emotional strength is the ability to tap within and ask, what is mine to do here? Then we have the habit of courage, which is the ability to proceed boldly. I had only dated Michael 18 months when I moved in and he got sick. And many of my friends, when they heard how sick he got over a couple months, were like, you really don't need to stay. You're not married to this man. And I did need to stay. There was something, I loved him. I didn't want to leave. But that took courage to say, I'm going to stay, when I knew I didn't have to stay. And then when I called for Jane, and she showed up, and she told me to do things that were really 
demand his guides and angels. I really, then I thought about it, I said, well, in the way I was raised in the Catholic system, I was actually living in sin, so I figured what else have I got to lose? I mean, I wasn't married to the man, so I said, well, I'm gonna do it. It's gonna help. Then we have courage. Courage in every day can be step, baby steps or can be bold steps. Courage can be found when we have to face a coworker who took credit for innovation that we brought up. Courage is when we have to bring something up to a loved one that we're not comfortable about or call them out on something. Courage is when we decide to live in authenticity and integrity every moment of our life to show up to be the best that we can be when other people see it differently, but we're going to say, no, this is what I believe and say it anyway. Bold, inspired courage stems from spiritual strength and makes for a thrilling life experience. And it mean, could mean anything from driving a race car to jumping out of a plane to bungee jumping or deciding that I'm going to live life joyfully, meaning from the pure and simple delight of being alive. That takes courage because sometimes being alive isn't so joyful, but we could choose to see it that way. Then we have tenacity. Tenacity is to be determined and it provides staying power. Michael and I were tenacious in looking for a cure to help him be better. And I was tenacious in my optimistic outlook, no matter what. One time, you've heard that snakes, when they get bigger, they shed their skin. So at one point towards the end, Michael's skin from his legs was actually peeling off. And it was because his legs were so swollen. But I looked at them and was like, Michael, you're getting new skin, you're getting better. My friends were like, oh, Teresa. But it's what I needed to do at the time. Tenacity in everyday life is required to be your authentic representation of God expression. We have many examples of tenacity in people like Thomas Edison, who made a thousand unsuccessful attempts to create the light bulb. We have Olympic athletes that keep breaking records and that takes tenacity. The feminine aspect of strength is resilience and it's represented by Mary Salome. She's the mother of the sons of Zebedee. She's Mother Mary's sister. In Luke 8, she goes with Mary Magdalene on Sunday morning to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. She represents the soul clothed in wholeness, soundness, love, peace, and truth. Physically, resilience is keeping on, keep on keeping on. It's also having multiple interests and finding time for all of them. To be of assistance to someone else, so that's where my resilience I was pulling from. To make a commitment and keep it. Emotionally, resilience is to know what we're feeling when we see somebody else saying or doing something and then having the courage to ask, what is that bringing up in me? What is mine here? It's the mirroring that that belief is holding me back. And where do I need to do my own healing there? Spiritual resistance is to be with what is happening without needing to control it or change it. It's the ability to work, to walk in the darkness and not get lost. It gives us the ability to hear what another has to say, even when we disagree. And we could do this without changing our mind or trying to change their mind. It also has the power of curiosity in it. I wonder what is unfolding here. 
How is God showing up in this situation? What is spirit asking or telling me to do? Is there a way I can open my mind to learn more, shift my beliefs, to see a broader perspective? Resilience allows us to have compassion for ourselves and for others. Spiritual strength and resilience are the powers to push us forward. They have the capacity to stretch us beyond our limited ideas of what we can do. So my question is, what are the thoughts of limitation that hold you back from reaching your desired goals? What are the thoughts that limit your or our vision of what we can achieve, give, or receive? What might your life look like if you engage in spiritual strength to live more fully, joyously, or prosperously? Right now, I'm living in a, a time of unknowing for me. I, I don't know when, if I'm ever going to get back to doing chair massage, and I'm embarking on a new career. And I'm living in a place of not knowing, but I have a, a Buddhist friend who calls it the reverent not knowing. I'm like, oh, that makes me feel much more powerful. I'm living in reverent not knowing right now. Because I know that I'm empowered by strength, and I can take the needed steps to move forward. Last time I spoke, we talked about the 12 steps of recovery. And I spoke on how faith was needed in the first and second step. And strength is actually needed in the third and fourth step. The third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God, and made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We need our strength to do both of those. So inspiration and education without action are merely entertainment. We're in the time of Lent right now, and Lent is a time to get closer to God. So strength and resilience are developed by spiritual study, meditation, contemplation, and prayer. So here's your assignment, if you care to take it. Spiritual study is when we engage in a class or read a book that changes our perceptions. It leads us to think about life from another point of view or to a deeper spiritual understanding. Meditation is sitting in the silence. We sit in the presence of God and allow God to be God in our lives. We listen for the inner voice of wisdom and to feel that inner power of strength. Contemplation is taking a situation or a thought into that inner space and to ask the wisdom from within. What can be revealed here. We ask spirit, the spirit that's always present within us, and we open ourselves up to listen. And this process can be done over and over and over again until we feel complete. And finally, prayer, affirmative prayer, thanking that higher power within us, thanking for the strength that we have, whether we've used it or not, thanking for the strength that we need to forgive or whatever, but it's affirmative prayer, it's already done. So I'm going to end with some affirmations. I have the strength to accomplish all that is mine to do. I claim my strength now, regardless of circumstances. I stay the course so I can be the best person I can be. And I am divine strength. So together, let's consciously call upon and develop the power of strength so we can stretch beyond our current circumstances and perceptions into the realm of infinite possibilities that are available to us 
and make this world an even more amazing place. I want to say thank you. I'm your sister in prayer, possibility, and positivity. I miss you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And until we see each other again, know that you are blessed and a blessing.